Hello, and welcome to the Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And today, we're all caught in the web of the web. Third episode of Beast Wars, first one after the two-part pilot, and first part of an informal two-parter of Cheetor being super dumb. I really liked Sandra Bullock in this one. (laughs) And I I found that, uh, you know, it's not a 90s techno thriller unless Dennis Miller is in it. (laughs) Wait, no, I'm sorry, that was The Net. Close, close. Well, Tarantulas kind of fills in. It works. Fills in for Dennis Miller? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I really think that they could have cut out that five-minute segment in which he goes on a profane rant uh, about the Clinton administration. <laughs> I would love that. I would love Plus, that. he kept running his hand through his hair, and he doesn't have hair. It was super weird. <laughs> well, he's kind of got bristles, you know. And then it gets it's nice worse to see him finally episode. be able to do the cannibalism thing on screen instead of having to sneak it in between sketches like he did on SNL. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the next episode, he starts talking about football, and it's terrible. And then towards the end of the season, he's just super right-wing, and it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. All right. So this episode first aired September the 18th, 1996. Yes, this would by... be the first episode that aired at the normal time slot. Yes. It's part of the power block, I think. Powering up the power block. It was written by a uh, series co-creator, Larry Dottilio. And we open up with uh, Rhinox, who I think this is the first time we get a sense that he's like the, the smart guy. Yeah, that's something that never there there are a couple character things that didn't really have room to be established in the pilot episode that come out in this episode and one of them that we see right at the beginning is Rhinox being the engineer of the crew. Mm-hmm. Part of me wonders if this wasn't actually the like original pilot script and then they had to do the actual pilot to set stuff up first instead. It's possible. But I, I, I guess there's – we don't get – there are a bunch of characters who aren't in this one. Like we, yeah. like Megatron is barely in it. It's – this one – I think the pilot – there's a lot about the pilot that really felt like maybe they were – I mean, it, it did air so much earlier, and being a pilot, there may be some elements that they hadn't really settled on yet. Hmm. So I figured it may they wrote be, it but, first. Yeah. I mean – like I said, this was the first one to air in September, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, we got the pilot in April and then we got to see it again in September and then mm-hmm. finally a new episode. Uh, so the pilot feels like a pilot in that there may have been some character elements they hadn't worked out yet that really start to be established here. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, Rhinox, as his role as the engineer, has built a new long, a, a long range comlink. Because due to the energon, they can't really communicate with each other uh, at long distances. It's like uh, watching an 80s horror movie when nobody has cell phones yet. Yes. Or a 90s horror movie where they all get their cell phones disabled because the writers haven't figured out how to deal with cell phones yet. Yes. So did they not have comlinks at all, or was this just a longer range one? 
a longer range one that'll sort of counteract the energon radiation. It kind of looks like a wristwatch. Yeah. It it almost looks like an eye watch with stuff glued onto it, to be honest. It's ahead of its time. I particularly enjoyed Primal giving Cheetor the Q in James Bond speech about it. Yes. <laughs> also, Do, I like... At you the bring end it back this, in one piece, Cheetor? At the end of this scene, we see that, that the third episode in, and Rhinox is already just totally done with Cheetor. <laughs> yeah. So one episode before we are. Yeah. Well, you figured that, you know, we don't know how long they were on the Axelon before uh, this episode happened. And they say this episode is a month after the pilot? Yes. Yes. Also, in this episode, still no one can pronounce Cheetor's name. Nope, it's still Cheetor all over the place. Still Cheetor, not just him, but everyone else's. I mean, one, one has to wonder if maybe that's what it was, except we know that it's not because everyone figures it out. Yep. Uh, is this our first episode with a crazy made-up jargon unit? I think so, yes. Yeah. Micro-quads. Micro-quads. Yes. This was before they had been communicating with the fandom enough to, to start naming things after assorted fan handles. Or using and the old-time increments from the comics, which was Vorns? Uh, yes. Vorns and Breams. And they're also not using the... Goofy ones from the comic, which was just Astro Seconds. <laughs> because they're like seconds, but they're in space. Yep. Yes! <sighs> Not good. Go back so, a second. The opening shot of the episode was kind of interesting. The, the long tracking shot. Yeah, the yeah. big old flyover. I was impressed with how much terrain they made for that. and Yeah. It was kind of amusing how badly done some of it was. Like the Yeah, the, the water's bad. The water's not the worst thing in the world. No. It's too flat, and the ripples are a bit too static, but the part that really bugged me was it was reflecting something completely different from the scene. And that was actually a, a big deal, and I, I remember when The Incredibles came out, there was a lot of water in that, and I was like, wow, oh, they've yeah. sure come a lot of way with, with CG water. Water is really <laughs> hard to do. But there was actually, Hasbro wanted them to include, instead of Tigatron, I think, they wanted them to include Cybershark. But Mainframe was like, we we can't do water that well yet. Plus, they <laughs> so, right episodes around the water guy. Aquaman has to go and do something. So we didn't, well, that's the thing is, season three, there we do get an aquatic character with depth charge. Yeah. But because by then they were confident enough in their ability to animate water that they were like, okay, we can do an aquatic character now. But in season one, they specifically had to tell Hasbro, no, we can't do an aquatic character because we can't animate water well enough yet. Unless and, you'd like to give us a lot more money. Yes. And this, I this tracking shot sort of... I don't think a lot more of, money would have helped. It, the tech just was not there. Yeah. The, the tracking shot really shows you that, that, yeah, they can't do water so well yet. The vanilla World of Warcraft grade shrubberies lining the side of the lake were also rather unimpressive. Yeah, like yeah, I'm, I'm running on. On on the other hand, it's very impressive that now my little laptop can run computer can can process computer graphics better than the Beast Wars TV show. Yeah, and. <laughs> 
to avoid being too negative on it, compositionally, I thought the shot was actually very nice. It was interesting to see yeah. them kind of give some of the scale of the land around the Axelon, and it even looked like they'd, in the month between the pilot and this, gone in and added some supports underneath the Axelon to make sure it didn't collapse and fall into the lake. Yeah, there were some little spikes coming down there. But, but then Cheetor ruins that mood by rhyming. <laughs> yeah, all his dialogue yeah. in this is terrible. One, I mean, it's probably supposed to be terrible. On, yeah. One more note on computer animation in general is that uh, at the time, my my father was a big nerd. And he said that he had tried to watch Reboot at one point, but he found it the, the style too intense. And that didn't really make sense to me at the time. But going back and watching this, you definitely see something that they can do with computer animation that they couldn't or that that they couldn't do cheaply with cell animation is stuff like that tracking shot and stuff like how much movement you have in the directing. You constantly mm-hmm. have the camera just moving around characters, zooming in oh, on yeah. them because in ways that, that, yeah, you, you could not do cheaply in cell animation. And it's definitely the, the direction of the entire show has this dramatically different feel from cell animation. Yeah, it's stuff that would be ridiculously difficult to do in cell animation, and, like, they'd be yeah. killing themselves to do in cell animation. And that that so. tracking shot was something that, that could not have been easily done in anything short of a Disney budget. Actually, come to think of it, mm-hmm. uh, Tarzan, was that around the same time as this? Uh, that was a few years later. I think that was 98 or 99. They actually did a kind of similar tracking shot effect for swinging through the jungle. And that was cheaty as heck. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's you know, it's it's only fair that as much as we pick on the the level of computer animation, it was re- a really dramatic change. Oh, yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, Rhinox has unwisely tested this, or trusted Cheetor not to uh, damage this device or to fight any Predacons. So, of course, Cheetor do- goes and does exactly that. Well, it's really more that Optimus Primal convinced him to to give Cheetor a chance with it, because Optimus yeah. Primal has not yet learned that Cheetor is an idiot who cannot be trusted with anything. <laughs> All right, so Scorponok is trying to recover a mega cannon from, uh, I guess, the Predacon ship that fell off in the crash. Which is presumably, what, like, a hundred cannons, a thousand cannons? It's, it's a cannon that is big. It's really big. Oh, okay. I was thinking like mega, you know, like megabyte. I mean, mega. you know, yeah, a thousand trons. <laughs> Maybe he is. You don't know. You really love that uh, Jeff Bridges movie? He's yes. made, made from a million Bruce Boxleitners. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, okay. It's a mega right. cannon. Right. Was I the right only one who mistook it for a stasis pod at first? Yeah. Yes. It, it looked like a stasis pod with some extra stuff glued on. Which is probably what it was. Yeah. Yes. I liked the slightly slapstick rubble being cleared off of it while they were just panning behind the rock spire thing to avoid actually having to animate Scorponok doing anything. So he only has to pick the one last one up off the thing at the end. That's okay. Scorponok's beast mode looks pretty stupid. Yeah. Alright, so Cheetor gets the drop on him, but then Tarantulas gets the drop on Cheetor. Oh, I also like Scorponok firing missiles at the thing after he still couldn't move it after he cleared the rubble off. Yeah. Yes. 
And his missiles have Maximal logos on them. Yeah. I think that, that's the way that you paint, like, yeah, you know, what you're aiming Berlin at. on a bomb you're going to drop on Nazi Germany. Yeah. I suppose. But I think people did find it confusing, and I think later on they're changed to Predacon logos. After they had feedback from the community. Uh, and, and I, Cheetor, I assume, you know, Tarantulas complained or something. Yeah. And Cheetor calls him a toy from a different toy line, Clawful. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I guess Larry Dettelio, I'm pretty sure he wrote for Masters of the Universe. Oh, he did. I did not know that. That is true. Bob so Forward, he would know that name. I oh, yeah. also liked uh, the back on the Axelon, Optimus and Rhinox kind of doing mission control with Cheetor, and the flickering screen effect was really cool. Yeah, that was neat. So, uh, Tarantulas distracts uh, Cheetor, who really is bad at shooting, turns around, and he gets hit square in the chest with a missile. Well, Cheetor's gun is made of intestines, so... Yeah. Uh, can... continues to be gross. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty gross. The gut gun. <laughs> why? Hasbro, why? I feel like the creepiest part of the whole thing is that it's a squirt gun in the toy. Yeah. Yeah. That's just disturbing. That's, like, disturbing on all possible levels. Yeah. Is it supposed to shoot acid? Because that's really messed up. Sausage juice. I mean, better that than what comes out of the other end of intestines. I guess. I guess. Well, he is a cat, so, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a hairball gun. Yeah, we'll be getting into gross cat things later in the show. I guess that's true. So after... Right, so, and Cheetor has had a giant hole blown in his chest. Oh, yes, and then Scorponok objects to Tarantulas ordering him around. Yeah, we actually get some... We, these two didn't get much characterization in the pilot, so we get here that, you know, Scorponok is second in command, but he's also kind of a dunce, and yeah. Tarantulas is a weird creep. <laughs> yeah, that's... And, and I think that the, the second one of those is the one that tends to be... Especially because, you know, Tarantulas does become a fairly major character as the series goes on, certainly more major <sighs> than Dunce Scorponok ever really becomes. Ah, poor Scorponok. <laughs> And so this, this again, like, like establishing that Rhinox is the science guy, this really engineers that tarantula, or this, this introduces that Tarantulas is super creepy because yes. he, he is, I mean, he is creepy as heck. Yeah. So and creepy. also great acting from, or great voice acting from Alec Willows in this. Yes. It, it absolutely helps. I mean, the whole show has excellent voice acting, but, but Alec Willows does great things with Tarantulas. Oh, it's delightfully creepy. It's He's robot Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, yeah, Cheetor has a big hole in his chest, which is nicely animated. He looks super dead. Oh, yeah. He looks he like looks a mangled pretty... corpse. Yeah. And we get a big no from Gary Chuck. <laughs> yeah. He's going to get plenty of those... And now it's time for a dream sequence. We're on Cybertron, and Starscream is there. Holy crap. Yeah, that was yeah, that, absolutely a, a big deal to the to the old school fans when that yeah. showed up. It's like, oh my god, G1 references already. Yay. That was also, a huge scene they built. Yeah, n- nice yeah. big yeah. city. I mean, it was a huge scene, but it does look kind of like Bargain Basement, the grid from Tron. <laughs> I wonder if maybe they recycled some uh, some of the buildings from like uh, reboot. Uh, yeah, maybe. probably. 
I mean, to be fair, that's, you know, the, the downside to computer animation is if you do something, anything new, it, it's a major budget drain. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you can't really fault them for making some, some fairly simple buildings. But, you know, it's it's a space city that's lived in by robots. And so, the aspect ratio yeah. is sort of squished. And it, it, yeah, kind of, it kind of reminded me of those uh, Beyond the Mind's Eye video things. Very <laughs> much so. Especially yeah. since YTV used to run those, like, in between episodes of Beast Wars. Or, well, Beasties. <laughs> Beasties! <laughs> So yeah. So yeah, Cheetor's shooting at Megatron, Waspinator, and Pterosaur. I like how it's sort of like there's like Vaseline on the lens, and there's sort of a weird electronic buzz on all the noise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as dream sequences go, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So you know, he shoots them. Get once again, Tarantulas gets a drop on him. Uh, we get a weird flash of Rat Trap from later in the episode because Cheetor just has prophetic dreams sometimes, and this is never commented on. <laughs> Like it happens multiple times in the in the series. Well, he's the a thing cat. Is, he's, he's Cheetor, so no one's really going to take him that seriously. <laughs> I mean, if Rhinox was having prophetic dreams, everybody's going to pay attention. Oh yes. But Cheetor oh. does, and they're just like, yeah, whatever, Cheetor, whatever, Cheetor. Yeah. I like Megatron's head getting blown off, and yeah, and little squishing teeth against out. the wall, and his teeth shattering with, like, a piano effect and his yeah. eyes turning into hearts for some reason. Mainframe got to indulge in some more slapstick. They love yes. it. Stay tuned for more of that. And yeah. I didn't, well, I didn't remember, I guess, that, that Tarantulas has nine eyes as a spider? Yeah. It's weird. He has too many eyes. Yeah. All with pupils, which is weird. Yeah, that's kind of the odd thing. Well, you have to see where he's looking. Of course, I guess they all have pupils in Beast Mode, don't they? Even like Scorpion. I guess Waspinator does, but Scorpionok does. Scorpionok is like a yeah. weird lizard head and he's a spider. I liked the gag they did where they had like him have two pairs of eyes light up in the darkness and then a completely different two pairs and yeah. did that a few times yeah. before showing all of them. It's like a creepy, crafty uh, thing in the shadows. <laughs> He's hella right. creepy. Right. So anyway, Cheetor wakes up, and oddly enough, they're just fixing him. There's no mention of the uh, CR chamber. Yeah, no, he's his his cheetor, cheetah head is back. It's like, okay, whatever, right now. Maybe it, at, it, at this it, point they still haven't established. They're like, huh, we really have yeah. to figure out. You'd think with Larry Dottilio, I mean, he's one of the head writers, so he could just be like, this is how it's going to be, boom. I guess in fiction, maybe they hadn't fixed them yet after the ship crashed. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, the Scorponok blasting Cheetor to wake him up. I think that was the third time they used that exact same firing the missile animation in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm more creeped out by Rat Trap eating an apple than by Cheetor's dream. It was a gray apple, too. Yeah, that's... It was in the garbage. He's a rat. And he just ate the whole quartz. Well, whose garbage was it? I mean, if he's eating garbage, maybe, like, primal. Gorillas eat fruit. I guess that's okay, true. But... So gr- primal ate the rest of it and threw the core away, and then Rat Trap's like, Hey, it's perfectly good core here. I, yeah, again, he's a rat. He, yeah. may, you know, in the very next episode, he talks about eating garbage. Or no, it's later it's in this, this episode, episode he talks yeah. about eating garbage. It's his last I'm, line in the episode. I'm more concerned that the apple is gray, personally. Yeah, that's, that's that was that's what not I wrote down. Right. 
I mean, you know, he's got to let healthy. it. Uh, he's got to let it ripen a little. Not just eating a fresh apple core. What kind of uh, rat do you think he is? Well, then it would be brown. <laughs> well, maybe it's been there a while, and he waited for the you know <laughs> fungus to accumulate on it, so he can get those extra nutrients. And, although it's also clearly fresh because the interior is still like that pale yeah it's apple color. Cut. it hasn't turned brown. what I'm saying is I'm pretty maybe sure it was a gray apple ap- in this. okay maybe primal ate it and then put lemon juice on the <laughs> core to make it not turn brown but I think well, it, was, the it was also in there with some lemons he ate is that somehow they're growing gray apples yeah <laughs> like maybe. It's implied that the the skin of the apple is actually some kind of metal that they can, you know. Because I, I will say that one thing that, that really struck me with this episode was that they they seem to really, they they are really comfortable with integrating the robot and the animal sides of these characters. There's one line, I should have written it down, there's one line that Rat Trap has where in like the same sentence he makes some robotism and then some animalism. Yeah, it's like some some reference to robot stuff and then some reference to being a rat or something. It's well, like it's and, and they're already it's like they say it's been a month in this scene. Yeah. And they're already comfortable with being animals in the ship where they don't have to be animals. They can be right. robots full time. I just felt it was very interesting just from a from a writing standpoint that the writers were so you know, it, it was they they were so thoroughly got their heads around this concept that they are robot animals that they're just bam right there. Alright, so uh obviously Primal is not thrilled at uh Cheetor doing this. But uh once he's fixed, he uh you know, Rat Trap's a bit of a jerk again, and Cheetor just leaves to find this mega cannon. Yeah, I, I like that, that Cheetor leaves saying that he'll show them what he has the sense to do. He also calls Rat Trap Motorhead. <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I'm like, yep, he's sure really going to show them what he has the sense to do. Something really stupid. Almost get eaten. <laughs> yes. Good job. I kind of feel like this episode and the next episode taken together are really... Primal learns how <laughs> not, never to trust Cheetor with anything. Learns when Cheetor is here, I'm locking the doors. <laughs> yes. There's even an exchange that kind of the show is even admitting it at this point. It's Rat Trap saying even he's not dumb enough to disobey the great Optimus again, and uh-huh. then all Rhinox responds with is the most sarcastic possible, uh huh. <laughs> Yeah. And then Rat Trap immediately leaves to go rescue him. Yeah, Rhinox so. is so done with all the rest of the crew except Primal <laughs> at this point. He's just. I think I'm, Rhinox I does like Rat Trap. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. At this point, I I don't think people have warmed to Rat Trap as much as as they will end up doing. I mean, Rat Trap is clearly okay with uh, with Rhinox. Yeah. Yeah, he just doesn't like anybody else. Yeah. No. Well, and so it's Rhinox who has to guilt him into going after uh, Cheetor. Cheetor. Yep. And okay. also, Rhinox gives like a weird eye blink. That yeah. Made like, like he was secretly evil. Yeah, that was creepy. Well, it's Rhinox. It's possible. It's, uh, it's five years too early uh, Tankor foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, he does have red eyes, and that's kind of menacing. And these guys are dicks. One of these days, I'm going to wipe out all life on Cybertron and rule it with my weird tank claws. Iron clamps. <laughs> with an iron clamp. So, the Predacons are installing this as, I guess, a defensive weapon. And while Cheetor is scoping this out, uh, he gets dragged underground mm. by Tarantulas. Mm. And by the the weird grappling hook thing his toy has. Yay! Yeah, so, so we That was get, cool. Yeah, that was cool, but it's like... He, we get an ass shot of Cheetor, and it's a little weird. <laughs> Listen, you, you own cats. You know the cats are not shy about displaying their butts. <laughs> this is true. It's, it's always nice when they use the toy stuff, except when the toy stuff is intestine guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a grappling hook, that's much better than the music. Yeah. Cheater wakes up, and he is in a stasis web. Yeah, once again, exposing himself. Well, against his old... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see your, your cat parts. <laughs> thankfully, no. Yes, thankfully they did not choose to make their animal modes anatomically correct to that degree, or else we would just never want to see Primal. Oh, well, <laughs> he's got all that fur. It at least covers things up. It, yeah. It, 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 great apes, it's actually kind of tiny. Yeah. No. Right. And it turns out the Tarantulas has captured him, uh, not to, for any, you know, Predacon purposes. He's just going to eat him. <laughs> just, just be a vampire. Suck the juice out of him. Well, like, like, like a spider does. He's doing the opposite. He's super creepy. He's so creepy. He wants to drain the energon out without doing anything to the flesh. He's basically making robot beef jerky. Yeah, and... <laughs> And Cheetor even calls him out saying that, like, I'm a robot. I don't have blood or anything. And Tarantulas is like, oh, but it's fun anyway. It's, you know, it's it's the, the the act that I enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> More than the nourishment. Uh, Super creepy. And Tarantulas I love- crawls up on top of Cheetor to, like, Oh yeah, talk that was to him like a serial creepy. killer. And then he's fondling yeah. him with his gross spider mouth parts. <laughs> and then he goes back to his torture jukebox. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the Axelon, a Dinobot's in this episode. Oh yeah, for yay! They well, remember that he's needs in the that group. second paycheck. Yes. <laughs> his his strategy? Well, we should probably kill everybody. Yes. <laughs> Dinobot just he he hasn't quite integrated into the Maximals yet. He's also insisting that the Predacons are going to use the thing to mount a full-on attack on them and kill them all instead of using it defensively. Yes. Because that's what Dinobot would do. Yeah. Well, are, are, yeah. are you the guy who's supposed to know what the Predacons are going to do, uh, Dinobot? I mean, to, to be fair, he, he is the one who would know what the, Dece- or the, the Predacons would be thinking. Right, except he's totally wrong this here, unless he's just trying to get the Maximals to kill everybody. Uh, and column a, column B. Especially at this point in the series, I think it's probably fair to assume that Dinobot is trying to convince the Maximals to to help him carry out his own vengeance. Yeah. yeah. He he just wants all the Predacons killed, and he is perfectly happy to talk the Maximals into doing it. All right. So uh, they well, they want to uh, set Rat Trap in. Yeah, they want to send Rattrap into Scout, and I think this is the first time we really get that Rattrap is sort of the spy scout. 
Yeah, that didn't really come out so much. And in, in, honestly, in the first episode, in the pilot, Rat Trap just seems pretty much superfluous to everything. He just seems like a coward in those. Yeah. But yes. here we do see that he does have useful skills. Yep. Yes, being Tunnel Rat from G.I. Joe. Yeah. Yes. Appropriate. So Ronix covers for him, says that he's talking to Cheetor, and they somehow believe this. Hmm. <laughs> well... It does happen later in the episode, so it's not entirely impossible that they'd talk to each other. Yeah. Also, the scene does have a pretty neat-looking opening where they've got the holographic version of the Predacon ship on the table, and it kind of does a zoom out, and it starts rotating. That was neat. This this show makes good use of holograms, and it uses them a lot. Yep. Again, very, very good uses for computer graphics. Meanwhile, Rattrap has found Tranches' lair, and it's time for this episode to turn into Predator. <laughs> I also enjoyed the 30-second shot of Rattrap exploring the area that's just of his ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just rat butt. I would like to note, now again, as far as the, the animal models not being anatomically correct, I'd like you to go into a pet store and look at the male rats, and look at their, their giant sacks, and tell me yeah. that you're... You you are not glad that Rat Trap does not have that. <laughs> I mean, he may be a female rat. That's that's entirely uh, yeah, possible. Just, uh, I mean, Waspinator almost certainly is female. Yeah, I mean, it's it may very well be that they had no real regard for biological sex when choosing their animal modes and do not incorporate those into their personalities in any particular way. Or they just didn't want to have to worry about, uh, you know, their their rat their their, their row balls getting in the way. Yeah, because they they are they're pretty substantial. So, so what I'm what I'm saying here is that this is really the the realm that James Roberts would need to deal with for for more than meets the eye. To discussing things like incorporating animal gender into one's personality and yeah. So basically, what you're saying is Heinrad needs to show up on the last light. <laughs> uh, well, no, see, he's clearly male. He's he's clearly got a male alt mode. Uh, I hear you guys have a time machine. But <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, he can be like a an annoying time lord showing up with giant balls and, and licks. <laughs> anyway, so a a fight ensues, and it's. It's a well choreographed fight. Uh, yeah. You know, Rattrap is hiding in this cavern, so mm. uh, so Tarantulas is using predator vision. Yes, and which Rattrap did. foils by pulling out a hot box, which is not, as it might be implied, as it might be implied, uh, Rattrap getting high in his car. <laughs> but he's got a box that produces a fake heat signature, which is pretty clever. I assumed yes. it was going to be like plastic explosive, yeah. and he was going to take a pillar down on him at first. Yeah, but no, it's it's a thing that's designed to fool heat sensors. It's handy that he had it. I mean, we'll soon find out that he has all manner of things inside his forearms. <laughs> he is actually a pretty great spy. Yes. And all the while, Tarantulas is sort of messing with the drainage levels, and Ian James Corlett is making some super gross coughing noises. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like he's about to hork up a furball. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty great. 
So, yeah, Rattrap gets the drop on him, uh, blows his leg off, which I think is the first instance of uh, the many instances of, di- of dismemberment we'll see in this show. Mm. Yeah, they they definitely played up that, that whole we are robots, you can't really kill us like that. Limbs right. and heads are flying all over the place in this show. All poor Waspinator. Yes. Poor Waspinator. But in this case, it's Tarantulas. He gets his leg blown off, and then he gets buried under a ton of rocks. Yes. After he kind of blows himself up by shooting a missile into the stasis web. Yep. Good job. Well, he gets buried by rocks twice. Like, when Rattrap shoots him, rocks fall on him. Then apparently he gets back up again. He shoots the web, more rocks fall. This would become a recurring theme. Yes, rocks fall. Rocks falling on Tarantulas. (laughs) Rocks fall, nobody dies. Rocks fall onto people all the time in this show, but especially tarantulas. Well, I guess I rocks are easy to animate. I definitely Red Trap and Cheetor jumping away from an explosion in slow motion. Yeah. Yes. And this is I a huge Cheetor's, explosion. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. They're ridiculously big. At least they're not walking away from it. <laughs> While smoking? Yes. And then refusing to pay their artists. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the back of the base, Rattrap continues to lie so that he was hanging out with Cheetor. All is forgiven. And then, but once they, uh, once they get back, you know, out of earshot, Rattrap tells Cheetor that he was lying to save himself and that if Cheetor does this again, he will beat him up. Aw, <laughs> look at those friends. Yep. Hey, but Cheetor says they're friends. Possibly because he sees the deeper meaning of Rattrap's words, or because Cheetor is super dumb. <laughs> I, yep. I'm going to say it's because Cheetor is super dumb. Yeah. Cause, Although cause he does I, promise often his friend that he'll never do something like this again. Yeah, <laughs> Until the next, next time. Next time on Peace Wars, Cheetor does something like this again. Yeah, and like Rhinox rolls his eyes after Cheetor says that it's like, apparently he's read the script of the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> right. We've established here that Rhinox is a smart guy. Yep. He just he he knows. He knows how these things go. He's not an idiot. He knows. <sighs> cheetor, cheetor. I I would like to note that when this all originally aired, I was 18. Actually, if this aired on September 18th, that would have been before my 18th birthday. But the important thing is I really liked Cheetor way too much. How? <laughs> I don't, he was he was like the hot rod of the of the Beast Wars, and I liked Hot Rod a lot. And I I don't know, I don't understand eighteen year old me as as well as I probably should. But I and, I really liked Cheetor. And since the show, almost every tra- subsequent Transformer show has had a rebellious teen character. Yes, yeah, usually yellow. Yeah, usually le- yellow. Uh, although currently it is red. Yeah. Yes. Although I guess Transformers Prime didn't really have a rebellious teen character. I mean, it had actual teens. Yeah, well, now, actual now in, uh, in the More Than Meets the Eye comic, you have the rebellious teen ship captain. Yes. <laughs> actual child Rodimus. Yeah, currently it's Sideswipe, who is a fairly jerky, rebe- uh, you know, rebellious teen. He's very much the Cheetor in that he does the same crap, like going away on his own to look at stuff and then getting into deep trouble because he's dumb. Although, yeah. I, the difference there is that whereas Cheetor is over-eager, so I, Sideswipe is just kind of lazy. 
Yeah. He yeah. just wants to go off into the woods and dance. Sideswipe just wants to blackmail other people into doing his work for him so he can go off and... I, I do like that animated Bumblebee was, was more of a rebellious preteen character. He he really didn't... Nice. He, he felt more like 12, 13 than 15 or 16. Yeah. Also, more of a jerk. Yeah, he, he was pretty jerky. I mean, Cheetor isn't really a jerk. He's just well, stupid. Yeah, yeah. intentionally a jerk. He's accidentally a jerk because he's a child. Yeah, he's he's actual child Cheetor. Also, it's kind of puzzling what he's doing on the ship. Aren't they all supposed to be scientists? Well, he was all up for testing stuff. Yeah, I, so I guess he's an intern or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. He's he's kind of he's kind of Darcy from the Thor movies, where he he's, he's, he's doing an this intern. For college credit. Yeah, he's doing this for college credit. He isn't really that into it, but you know. He'll he'll do it. He's up for whatever. He's up yeah. for testing things, apparently. Which I was like, why would you ever let Chior test anything? Like I can test it. Who's <laughs> testing things? Well, in case Wait. it explodes or something, <laughs> we can I get another Chior. That's that's true. <laughs> why would you ever let him test anything? And that is the web. I think it's time for this web to close. So overall, it, you know, it's a it's a pretty good we're back from the pilot kind of episode. Yeah. yeah, it it does a good job of establishing some characters who didn't really have space in the pilot. Mm-hmm. Although it it does I, seem it, weird that it's like a month between the last episode and like they haven't encountered the Predacons since. I mean, which we'll probably... see is really weird in the next episode because well, of distance. Maybe the Predacons are dealing with their own problems. <laughs> Like Scorponok being an idiot. Well, I guess yes. if the mountain exploded on top of them and they had to repair themselves for a month, maybe. And that could yeah. be it. Although apparently, you know, Tarantulas has had time to carve himself out uh, his own little hidey hole. Yes, his own little extremely creepy. And and that's something that, that will get more and more elaborate as the series goes on. Yes. It's... But it is interesting that it establishes that Tarantulas is the guy who has sort of his own headquarters. His his own secret lair. His own tree fort. He's not yet to the part where he has little spider drones going about and the, the whole elaborate setup he has later. All right. So I think that should uh, do it for this episode. Uh, remember, we are on. Uh, you can you can download us directly on uh, Icon Underground, or you can now uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Yes. So if if you do so, please rate and review us. We'd uh, super appreciate it. We will. We will. It helps. Yeah, so we are told. Helps, we do. Can, uh, we do have an RSS feed on iaconunderground.net. If you are not an iTunes user but want to use some alternate podcasting service, you can uh, follow us on Twitter on at, at, at stasispod, and uh, we also have a Tumblr, which is uh, what is our Tumblr? Uh, um, I think. I think it's the same stasis pod. Wait, let me look. <laughs> we are totally on the ball with this social media. Yeah, it's stasispod.tumblr.com. All right. Which all one word? Not really. Yeah, all one word. There's not really much there. We will also show up in searches on the Pocket Casts podcast client. Good. I'll have to look into Pop Kicker, which is what I tend to use. All right. So until next time. 
when we complete the second half of the Cheetor is an Idiot Power Hour. <laughs> yep. So signing off, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. we wouldn't have much to talk about because that uh, cheater is dumb he's dumb dumb things happen next episode a little bit more to talk about we finally see the in- the interior of the Predacon ship which may or may yep. not be the dark side which is weird oh we'll have a lot to say about that line god damn yeah and we go four for four on Cheetor being an idiot yes yeah. actually that's something I wish I'd fit in on this episode mm-hmm. although it didn't happen in the second half of the pilot it happened no, twice not. in this episode, so we're three episodes in. Yeah, three episodes where Cheetor does. The plot is Cheetor is an idiot and goes off alone and screws oh, up to be rescued. It multiplies in episode four, like in episode yeah, like in episode one he does something dumb. He does two dumb things in the web. The next episode, <laughs> I don't think he does anything dumb in equal measures. Although apparently oh, he voted what? for Dinobot. What? Are, were you or not? No, sorry, uh, sorry. Chain of command. Chain of command. Okay, so it might be a while, but he. He's stocking up in equal measures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, 